I'm Justin Lesko, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt and former pro MMA fighter. We just had UFC Vegas 43 and the card was not so good. I was very happy to see two Philly guys, Pat Sabatini and Sean Brady, who Sean Brady got a win over a big-ish name, Michael Chiesa. But in that fight, there were only 47 significant strikes, which is not so many. Some of the fight night cards with the less known fighters are absolute bangers. We've had a few of them recently, but with so many cards being put out all the time, there are going to be some duds. Is the UFC possibly oversaturating their market? Are we getting too much of a good thing? Why are some cards so boring and easily forgettable? What makes a boring fight card? Let's break it down. At UFC Vegas 43, there were 11 fights. 10 of those fights ended in a unanimous decision. One fight had a submission win. That's one finish in 11 fights. Now, a unanimous decision by default isn't boring. A unanimous decision can still be an exciting fight, but 10 out of 11 fights ending that way doesn't lead to a great card. Also, if the main event isn't super exciting, it is the last thing people will remember, and unfortunately, I saw a lot of people saying they bailed on the card before we even got to the main event. The main event was Misha Tate versus Ketlin Vieira, and overall, people weren't super into the fight. Vieira won pretty easily, but I think she could have gotten the finish if she just let her hands go a bit. She seemed like she was a little too concerned with Misha getting a hold of her and doing what most of the other fights on the card had, some lay and pray. Getting the takedown and being on top while doing just enough to not get stood up by the referee, it wins fights. It's dumb and it's boring. Obviously, I love grappling, but I also hate when guys on bottom just hold on trying to force a stand-up. One of my biggest annoyances with MMA is that a guy on bottom is automatically seen as losing the fight, even if they're attacking with submissions or strikes from there. I'm not saying any of the fights on this card were scored wrong because of the way this rule works. It just bothers me. Tangent over. Misha Tate came into this fight talking about wanting a rematch with Amanda Nunes, and I'm very, very happy that this will probably never happen. Nunes would demolish her, and it would be hard to watch, I think. On top of this card having a lot of decisions, what it did not have was a lot of bonuses. There was only one performance of the night bonus given out, unsurprisingly for the only finish of the night. Just not a lot to celebrate. So what contributes to a bad card? Well, obviously, matchups go a long way. When you get two fighters who are both supremely good wrestlers, usually what happens is neither wants to use their wrestling, and you get two guys with not the best striking in the world having a boring kickboxing match. It's not the best. Sometimes if you get a good wrestler versus a great striker with no takedown defense, we get more ground and pound. And ground and pound is fun, but you gotta be working down there. You can't just be laying on top. And I'm sure there are already some people commenting below on the video saying, if you want to watch kickboxing, just watch kickboxing. Well, yeah, I do. And good striking also doesn't ensure a great fight. I'm looking at you, Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis, which actually that fight sort of argues against me. Sometimes a fight should be a banger and it just isn't. Like in that Lewis vs Ngannou fight, you had two heavy hitters who have exciting fights almost every time they go out there, but they just sort of stare at each other, afraid to test each other's power. You can't always pick which fights will be good, and you can't always pick which fights will be bad. 
looking at this card, it should have been good. There were good prospects on this card and it actually had a high Dwyer score. If you're unfamiliar with the Dwyer score, it's pretty simple. You add the winning streaks of each fighter on the card together. For example, a fighter on a three fight win streak is a plus three and a fighter on a three fight losing streak is a minus three. You add them all up and that gives you the Dwyer score. You get the idea. This card had a plus 11 and the average for all events in the last 12 months is a plus 10, while the fight nights in the last 12 months, it's only a plus 6.5. So obviously this card was ahead of the others. It should have been really good based on Dwyer score, but the prospects and the Dwyer score, it can also be misleading. I watch every fight. I try to be good at this job, even though I might not be sometimes. Even I who watch everything, I can't keep track of every single fighter that's on the UFC roster, especially ones who are ranked outside the top 15 and may only have a few fights in the UFC. So just having exciting prospects isn't enough when you can't really look at the matchup as well as you can for two seasoned vets who you've watched their whole career. And the Dwyer score is a good tool, but a plus 11 for this card, it's compared to the other fight nights, but the average for the last 12 months for the pay-per-views is 20.7. Why is the all event average 10 and the pay-per-view event score is 20.7? Because there are so many fight cards. So far in the year 2021, there have been 28 non-pay-per-view events and there are still two to come. No Googling, don't cheat. Can you tell me when the next one is? Well, it's in two weeks on December 4th. No Googling again. Do you know who's headlining that card? It's Rob Font versus Jose Aldo. And if you did know that, can you name me more than one other fight that's happening on that card? I'm going to venture a guess that you probably can. If the UFC is putting on this many shows, I think they run the risk of watering down the product. For instance, we had a fight card a few weeks ago that did not feature a single ranked fighter. I know the rankings are pretty dumb and they're a joke and the way they do it makes no sense at all. And that might be a stay tuned because I'll do an episode all about why the rankings are stupid and why I should be voting for the rankings too. But that being said, having a card without even one fighter ranked, it isn't a good start when you're trying to put on exciting events. I don't know what the ratings are, but even for the great fight night cards, I, I wonder what the viewership is like considering there are so many. If you wanted to watch every single event this year, including pay-per-views and fight night cards, you'd already be at 40 events. That is a lot of fights. Too much of a good thing can be a bad thing. Like donuts or whiskey, or heel hooks. I'm just kidding. You can never have too many heel hooks. But I love fights. I will continue to watch every fight card I can get my hands on. I accept that some will be boring. I accept that some cards will just not be as good as others. I will appreciate when we have a phenomenal card, and I won't be too disappointed when it's followed up with a not-so-great one. I would rather have too many fights than not enough. But let's hope that some of these events that are finishing out this year can cleanse our palate after the snooze fest that was UFC Vegas 43. Thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode more than we collectively enjoyed UFC Vegas 43. If you want to watch the video version of this episode or any episode that I do, the link to our YouTube page is below. There are a lot of other videos there, things that don't really work out really well as an audio only, so please check that out. If you did enjoy this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever app you use to listen to the show. It does help us out, and I really, really appreciate it. I have a lot of things coming, a lot of things planned, so please stay tuned. Thank you all again. I'll see you in the next episode.